What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, May 30th, 2021, and this week's episode, the Mayweather vs. Paul preview show. We'll be talking about, first, the latest in MMA news, the recent announcement for Max Holloway against Yair Rodriguez on July 17th, We'll look ahead to the return of The Ultimate Fighter this Tuesday. We'll talk about the latest with John Jones hiring former Golden Boy CEO Richard Schaefer and what that might mean for his immediate future. And we'll talk about the latest bookings for the month of July and that MMA overload that we just seem to be having. Then, of course, we'll cap it off. We'll look ahead to this weekend's cards. UFC Vegas 26 and the heavyweight bout between Jarzinho, Rosenstrike, and Augusto Sakai. And, of course, the big boxing fight that, love it or hate it, people gonna watch it, Floyd Mayweather against Logan Paul. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez. Natalie is not back. She actually had something come up. She did tell me I promised to be back next week for all you guys wondering where she's at. But I had another one of my friends joining me. He is a co-worker of mine at Cageside Press, and he is the guy we know for always being at his computer to write up all the news, Alexander Alex Behunin. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, man, uh, talk to me. When did you first get bitten by the MMA bug? Um, well, we're, we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but... Uh... Uh, the ultimate fighter uh season one got me i, I was watching like a, a you know a few months before that but uh the ultimate fighter is is what got me and i i've been i've been obsessed ever since so you like saw a couple but then the actual like weekly ultimate fighter that stuff got you to watch it a little more religiously so to speak yes sir can yes. i ask because you're a couple years younger than me uh how old were you when you got into it because so, if you're the age I think you are, I'm going to be like, no offense, but they let you watch some of that at your age. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, The Ultimate Fighter was 2005, so that means I was 15. So okay. I got it, yeah, so I got into it 14, 15. Okay, okay, that's actually, all right, all right, I got you, I got you. Okay, we're a little, uh, I think I might have misjudged your age then, but um, <laughs> all right, we're good. Now, well, Alex, look, you know, I mean, real quick for people who are not familiar with Alex yet, um, very, very dedicated writer at Cageside Press, and I believe he's contributed to other websites. Um, just passionate about MMA, getting out there doing interviews, and a lot of write-ups. I know a lot of people look forward to it. it's like, well, who's saying what? But a lot of the daily news and getting that content just out there and keeping the site consistent. Alex has done a fantastic job since he's been part of the website. So when you go to the stuff and after you're done watching my interviews, of course, go ahead, check out what he's written. It's always good. I, I, I appreciate that, Gabriel. <laughs> no worries, man. Uh, let's talk about it. So last week we discussed it. It was kind of MMA spring break. There's no real major MMA going on from the big shows. Which is weird because we're coming off a month last in April where you had Bellator, UFC, PFL, one championship, sometimes three of them in one week. So the fact that there was nothing, I think, is a you know, it's a sign that a lot of the big names went on vacation. But uh, that did not stop things from happening. So I think the first one and the biggest one is probably the biggest fight that's been added to the calendar. And that's Max Holloway taking on Yair Rodriguez on July 17th. 
So just to give you an idea, that is the week after McGregor and Poirier 3. And uh, some quick notes. Obviously, Max is coming off that big win against Calvin Cater in January. Yair is coming off about a two-year layoff. Very high stakes in the featherweight division. Um, Before we talk about uh, actual, um, you know, the repercussions, or not repercussions, but the stakes and the title picture, what are your thoughts on just the matchup, Alex, and the actual fight? I I love it. Um, It's I am. You have to appreciate Max Holloway because he could have easily sat out and just waited for Alexander Volkanovski and Brian Ortega, but he wanted to to get another fight in, and he's fighting Yair Rodriguez, who's always dangerous. Um, I mean, so on on Twitter, I mean, everyone as soon as he announced, like, oh my God, Max Holloway is going to beat down Yair Rodriguez. Goodbye, rest in peace. But I think it's. You know what? What have you done for, for me lately? Type of thing, and we forgot how tricky and how dangerous Jair Rodriguez can be. But that being said, I do think this is uh, Max Holloway is just going to kind of box him up. Yeah, I think with that fight, um, I think when you see Jair struggle like the Korean Zombie fight, uh, Jeremy Stevens, that wasn't lights out for Jair. Uh, Jeremy, you know, hurt him and. You know, Jair had to dig a little bit to get that W. And then you think about just how technically brilliant Max Holloway is and how rarely he's in a bad position. Very rarely dominated. I mean, even Alex, you know, we're talking about how he, you know, he arguably could have lost that fight. You know, not to rehash all that, but it's very, you know, Jair certainly is in that um, situation. He's going to need to really level up, I think, to beat the best Max Holloway. That being said, what I love about it, it's the hands versus the feet. And I think when you talk about that is, you know, very stylistically very fun. When you think about what Yair Rodriguez can do, I think that that just makes for a very fun fight on paper if Yair, you know, if he's at the level we know he's capable of, it's a great fight. I think that if he starts to struggle with the range, then we're talking about, you know, maybe Calvin Cater part two. Uh, in terms of uh, the featherweight title picture, I think for me the biggest indicator that something might happen was obviously when Volkanovski and Ortega got canceled because it's supposed to happen in late March and then right about this time you're probably expecting an announcement that, oh, Max Holloway versus Alex O'Brien. This is about when he he was supposed to get a date for that. Instead, we're hearing maybe September for Alex and Brian that's, you know, month number nine. Then you're asking Volkanovski or Ortega after all that to return within three months um, after a big fight in the Ultimate Fighter. I just think that, um, you know, if they pushed it back for any reason and you don't know how beat up they might be after that, you're talking about possibly over a year plus for Max being away. And then don't get me started on Yair's layoff right now, but um, I think the idea of either of those two waiting for that quote-unquote title shot with the current situation, I think that it was it's just a little too much when you consider the fact that they're in their prime. I like this for Max and Yair, to be honest, because I think that even if you were champion tomorrow, Max Holloway is the guy you'd have to beat in your first title defense. So I think that this works for Yair and Max. You're getting the probably your next challenger if you were champion. So I think this is a great time for both of them to take it and just go from there. What about you? 
Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, you, you make a really good point about, um, you know, if they do fight, if Volkanovski and Ortega do fight in September, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, unless it's one of them go out, go goes out and just finishes them the first couple rounds. I mean, I, it's going to be hard to see if they turn around and fight in, in, in December against Max or, or the, or, or Yair, if he happens to win, you know? So, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy that the featherweight, the top of the featherweight division is finally starting to move a little bit. Um, but man, if, if you look at every, everyone below them, it is just, it's, it's a very slept on division with, with a lot of contenders. Yeah, I think that that big two, obviously, with um, Max and Alex, obviously, that's a lot. But, uh, you know, just to throw it out there, with Zabit, I mean, he hasn't really done an interview with one of the big outlets. And so it's kind of like, I don't know what's a bad translation or and what's clickbait. But the rumor is he underwent a procedure recently and they're talking about, you know, he's saying he deserves a title shot. And that he, I, I heard he was going as far as to say, I might even be out. Like, hey, I earned it. If you're going to keep making me fight other fights, I, I'm not interested in that. Which I really want to hear him say with his own words on camera. That's preposterous because I still felt he was even at best at least one more. Yes, he is one of those, you know, he's kind of the dark horse in there and he's very dynamic too. But, you know, when I look at that, top of the division with Max, Alex, Brian, Yair, Zabit, that big five is just really, it's a tough crew to break through right now when you know just how good they all are. So the fact that we're getting, you know, four of those guys in matchups against each other, I think that's a big deal too. So I'm with you there. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of obviously some of them, the ultimate fighter returns this Tuesday. So it's going to be a little bit of... um, the only way I could describe it, the only uh, streaming service, is kind of like Disney Plus with the new Marvel stuff. It's going to mm. be, you know, it's not on TV. It's not going to be on ESPN2, but ESPN Plus every Tuesday, they're going to be dropping a new episode a la WandaVision. Um, you know what? I, I'm very interested to see how the fans react to that format because in my personal opinion, I think that the... ESPN Plus format works in terms of uh, MMA for the live sports and for the long documentaries. I'm talking about like The Last Dance. I am very interested to see if the fans who are really love it, they're going to tune in in the numbers they want for the reality show. What about you? Yeah, you, you make a good point. I mean, there is a bunch of... Um shows on there but i just don't i just don't think that they get the eyes that espn hopes for you know i mean i'm sure some people watch um ariel and the bad guy i'm one of them i'll i'll, I'll watch it when, once in a while but like you know um the, the show that, that daniel cormier does and then Stephen a's um show i just i don't watch them i just i just don't i don't watch it so um the studio shows. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. The studio shows. I just don't. I don't. I don't watch them. Um, as for tough, I mean, I really wish they would have 
brought it back on 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 ESPN two, ESPN News. But maybe they're kind of just you know playing this out, seeing how many people watch it on ESPN Plus, and maybe if they get enough eyeballs, maybe they maybe they do bring it back to ESPN or ESPN two. I also I'd be remiss if I don't mention I think that they really they lost it with the coaches because I mm-hmm. think when you talk about oh we're gonna get Masvidal versus Colby yeah. okay great television I even said look if Adesanya beat Blahovich what about John Jones versus Adesanya that would be fantastic television that would hype up the super fight easily I would have loved it. Didn't get that. I I was even saying, you know what? Just for the TV, Henry Cejudo versus Aljo. Just, you know, just for the TV. Obviously, Aljo's the only one that's going to fight. But it was like something. Not that, you know, look, Ortega's very famous. Volkanovski's obviously in a great spot right now. But you'd look at those two. You can't say, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching those two interact for... Uh, 10 weeks whatever however long the season is per episode right 100 percent. i i i mean and that was as soon as they announced the coaches i was like oh no i mean don't get me wrong like t- uh, the, the ultimate fighter number one is about the fighters right but yeah. it is a, it is it is a reality tv show with two coaches and if you want eyeballs on this product you have to bring, bring, bring two coaches that aren't as as boring as a whiteboard. You know, it's just I just I just. Uh, You're not looking I, forward to hearing Brian Ortega talk about the choices he's gonna make. I, like uh, I want him to go in on week one and talk to his team. Like, look, you know, right now you guys have a choice to go. It's like, come on, dude. I know. I just. I, I I am hoping that there is a little. I mean, there's rumors that they got into it, and I guess you know Volkanovski went on Rogan's podcast and said that he got under Ortega's skin. But I don't know if they're just trying to sell the show or not. Because I just I do not see any coach coaches drama between those two, and I wish they would have went with better with more drama coaches because. If you if you look at I mean if we go back in, into the tough history I mean the best seasons come with really good coaches really good coach banter and stuff like that so <sighs> anyway uh, no I agree with you I think that there's always that added element when you have great coaches and then you you know that's what leads to more investment in, when you have a great cast right and um. I think that can make or break it, really, because there have been certainly some great casts, but I think that at the end of the day, you're getting fans to invest in fighters that, quite simply, they haven't proven themselves yet. They haven't, you know, you're not out there saying, this is a superstar, this is so-and-so. You're talking about up-and-coming guys and girls, usually. So that makes for quite the, um, it's quite the challenge. And if I'm being honest, I do think that UFC has missed the mark in the way they've promoted it. And I don't know if that's the fact that they've really had to rush shooting. Because remember, they were trying to find coaches for a while. And um, when you think about how fast they got Alex after the whole, you know, being diagnosed with COVID, I do feel like there's possibly they're struggling to get footage out there. Because remember, we haven't seen anything. Usually we're seeing the trailer and all that. Instead, we've only seen a little bit of like maybe the first few weeks. So for me, it's like, okay, there was a dust up. 
I need you to put this out there. I need you to get me invested that I'm not just going to listen to Alex and Brian be the Alex and Brian I'm familiar with. So I do think they've missed the mark a bit of the promotion. I think that they're they're selling you on the history of Tough. But then it's like, well, I could go watch old seasons. I want to know why should I tune in to watch the newest one. And I do think yep. they're missing it there. Um, uh, to br- we're, we're talking some more fun stuff. I don't want to, you know, bash it because I do <laughs> think that, uh, you know, there have been very underrated performances and just a lot of good stuff to come from The Ultimate Fighter, even when it's been a quote-unquote slower season. Um, what do you think would make... What does it have to... What do we have to see? What does it have to happen in order for us to say that the return of Tough is successful? Uh, I think number one, they have to have good fights. Um, that's 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 number one for me because I've I'm I am infamous for watching the first two weeks and then just not watching until like the last the the, the finale or a few weeks before that, and I've I've done that for the last. I don't know, last four or five seasons of Tough just because the fights have just been so lackluster. Um, so number one for me would be fights. Number two would be drama within the house, character. I mean, I, it's not necessarily drama, but like good good characters that, that we can invest in, good fighters, good stories. And I guess kind of piggybacking on that, um, how how the coaches you know sell their title fight basically yeah i think that um yeah yeah great fights because if you know this like dude did you see that just straight banger on tough that came out that's a big part of it i think that you know the last one you said just getting you invested in the coaches fight there's a lot of ways to sell conflict i'm not saying they need to be connor and habib right but I need something. I, I, I do need the stakes to be raised because I feel like that's a big part of it. And mind you, there is something to be said for two respectful guys wanting to test their skills against each other. And I do think that there is a way to sell it. But I think the entire point of putting two fighters that are actually going to fight against each other as the coaches is the fact that you're selling that conflict. If it was just, hey, let's pick two great fighters who would be great TV... You could put like a light heavyweight and a welterweight in there and it's just some good chemistry and good television. They put upcoming opponents for a reason. So, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing. And um, I think, yeah, if you have those two things, I think that that'll be the best way to organically get ratings and sell it better. But that's really going to be the be-all, end-all of it. Um, because I, quite bluntly, and I even asked Dana this, and he said logistically, we just can't do it as much. But the Contender Series has been so successful. UFC loves it. Dana White, obviously, you know, he's got his uh, name attached to it. Dana White's Contender Series. It's just so much more efficient way to get people in, and the way they do it. It's two hours. It's four, you know, five, six fights maybe. Um. Uh, per week in the summer it's just so much more efficient whereas let's be honest with the ultimate fighter when you don't have a captivating conflict and just that quote-unquote drama quite uh, i'll say there have been times i just fast forward through 
the whatever and during the you know the lead up the build up and i just watched like the last 10 15 minutes which is the fight just because yeah. it's like uh you know i'm in for the first episode i fall for the teaser and then by the second one i'm like yeah if it was really interesting you guys would have promoted it and so i think that's a big thing is you need those things in order to make the show successful otherwise you know it's one thing to go back and watch it with dvr i think I think that the streaming aspect of it, that might be tougher. Yeah, oh, for sure. Uh, well, you know, all right, so I'm assuming I'm going to hear a lot of season one, but what are some of the things you really remember from Tough? What are some of your favorite Ultimate Fighter moments? All right, so I, I just jotted down a couple, um, so I won't take up seven hours, but um, obviously Tough tough one was um the season that got me into mixed martial arts um so you know stefan bonner forrest griffin chris lieben um his rivalry with josh koscheck and bobby southworth you know uh, punching the door cutting his hand um and then season 10 is my i, I mean i think season 10 might be my favorite season that's the kimbo season right yeah, that's kimbo yep um, just because the coaches, I mean, Rampage Jackson and, and Rashad Evans sold that season. And it was just uh, yesterday was, was the anniversary of that fight, and that fight sucked so bad. Um, anyway, but Rampage Jackson versus Titties, um, that was a great, great little back and forth. Um, Uriah Hall. For, for the young fans or fans who don't remember, that's where they're, you know, they were heavyweights and you had a rather. Uh voluptuous gentleman and you know rampage gave him a hard time in case you think that he you know rampage did more motorboating listening to alex <laughs> yeah rampage i think his name was daryl Shun shinover skinover i remember that he, yep yep uh so him and then uh uriah hall knocking people out he had his three knockouts all sent people to the hospital that season yep um, and then I, I wrote uh, Tom Lawler versus uh, or Tom Lawler knocking out Dave Kaplan. Um, it's just that, that's like seared into my brain. Um, you know what? Um, I, I got to say, I am a sucker for the Kimbo season. I remember I, I just remember I was like, you knew they were going to do it. And I, I don't know if you remember, but there came a point because I think that Kimbo got eliminated in like week three or something like that very early. And like starting from like week five on they were just teasing like oh is somebody injured are they not injured can they keep fighting <laughs> and they made you believe oh kimbo was gonna sneak right back into this right uh, um, yep. yeah yeah it, it yep. was and I, I was younger then i think i was still high school in my teens i fell for it i was like oh come on wouldn't that be awesome and you knew they weren't you knew they were selling tv but um i think it made for you know great television i thought they had a great cast um uh the rampage and forest as coaches their dynamic was always interesting i always remember um uh, no i think rampage the door one was the rashad season but one time forrest griffin he had like the net gun and he just completely catches rampage while he's working out against the cage and it was that was funny i um also, you know what? Underrated, but the Bisping Dan Henderson 
You, that one, now see, that was a great example of selling the fight. And that was really primarily the personalities. Of course, when you have Michael Bisping, you get why someone want to fight him. He's very good at just being quite the uh, instigator. And, um, you know, I've even told Bisping this. I firmly believe Bisping was going to get Dan Henderson that time. And I've told Bisping this and I was like, I was wrong. And then, but I did tell Bisping, I also picked him when he was like the big underdog to beat Luke Rockhold for the title on two weeks notice. And I always tell Bisping, I, you know, I picked you to beat Dan Henderson. I picked you to beat Luke Rockhold. You made it up to me. Thank you. So I remember that about tough. That was a great way they did it. So those are my favorite tough moments for sure. I, um, you know, I. I really, really, really enjoy the uh, redemption seasons, and I and that's what I hope they do. I, I I wish they would bring like do at least do one like one every two years and bring bring old UFC fighters back and and try and fight their way back into the UFC. I just I I love that um, aspect of the show. You know, if I'm being quite honest, I think that one of the things about it is that uh. <sighs> like their last Ultimate Fighter Redemption winner, uh, that that fizzled out. Um, <laughs> th- that didn't work. And I think that, um, if I'm being quite honest with you, Alex, I think that today's MMA landscape is so different that if you get cut from UFC, yeah, I think a lot of people would love for a second shot. But then you have a lot of guys that end up in positions where you could kind of cash in immediately in a Bellator or a PFL or, you know, a one championship if you get cut. And I think the guys, you know, they try to go for that because it's like, look, you know, um, I'm on the regional scene and I could try to fight my way back to UFC, which would be great. But, you know, like imagine being cut from the UFC and then feeling like you got a great chance to make a million dollars in PFL. I get, you know, it's just... um, I think when I just think there's so many more opportunities for ex UFC fighters to make that immediate cash that I think that the prospect of the redemption season, I'm not saying they can't fill it because obviously fighters get cut all the time, but I just feel like people, the best fighters would pursue those opportunities rather than a redemption tough or something. Yeah, you, you do make good points for sure. You know what? I like it because you keep telling me this. I need to tell Natalie when she gets back that, you know, you know, Alex tells me I make great points. Why don't you say that more often? <laughs> no, but um, thank you. But yeah, I think that would be my big, biggest thing. I, I get what you're saying, but I think I also think there's something to be said to discovering someone new with tough. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on from the Ultimate Fighter, and uh, definitely there's great stuff that happens each episode. Natalie and I will talk about it. So if people are like, "Oh, well, what about Tough?" It's like, you know, not every episode is riveting, but obviously we'll, you know, we keep an eye on it. Um, but I think the next big one, John Jones mixed messages. So I think it was what was it Tuesday? Tuesday he says to a fan, "I'm gonna push my return." back a year you know like it's been harder than i expected and i've always been skinny and to put on weight he has said he says a lot of stuff it's like you know what it's actually going to be better for me to wait to go to heavyweight and then the next day he announces oh my new advisor is 
former Golden Boy CEO Richard Schaefer. I know Chil Sonnen talked about it, but the fastest thing is that um, why is this a big deal? Everyone knows Golden Boy promotions for Oscar De La Hoya, and rightfully so. It's Golden Boy. He was the Golden Boy. He's always out there on the mic for them. I get it. Everyone in the know will tell you Richard Schaefer was the brains behind the operation. Yes, uh, Oscar's name and brand, you know, just brand really helped them kick it off, and he gets a lot of credit for it. But people in the know, people like Canelo Alvarez have said it, Richard Schaefer was the guy who really made that into what it was and really made a lot of that stuff, their success, happen. Now, we have John Jones, you know, associated with him. Dana White has said nice things about Richard Schaefer. This seems like it would be a good sign, but then Dana White has also said, yeah, but the next fight is still Nganu versus Lewis too. So, Alex, what were your thoughts? Um, to be honest with you, so before anything, I am a John Jones is my favorite fighter, and um, so seeing all of this go down the the past year and a half, um, it's it's sad. Um, but so first, firstly, I wish he would have signed with with um, with an MMA management, maybe like. Go to Ali and Dominance. Go to Iridium. Go to Sucker Punch. Um, just because, I mean, they have these gigantic rosters, and and they have really, I mean, they're doing they're 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 doing stuff right. Um, I'm and and I'm saying that because I don't know. I I just feel like he should have signed with an MMA management. As for his mixed messages, I mean, so that there's all these people saying that like he's he just doesn't want to like he's just doing all this for clout or doing doing all this for attention and that he has no um aspirations to fight at fight in ganu and i just i I do think that's a a bunch of um bs because i i I think he really does want to fight in ganu i think he's just he's kind of pricing himself out um and that aspect of it too is it's very hard because I do think that it would be one of the biggest fights of all time, especially if the UFC markets it markets it right. Um, I mean, the goat versus the, the predator. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, I uh, I don't know. I I do hope that. Richard Schaefer helps John because it breaks my heart that uh, John Jones is throw- throwing away some of some of his years just sitting out fighting with uh, Dana White. Yeah, um, I agree with you that the fight with Ngannou with Jones, that is hands down the biggest fight you could honestly make with two active fighters right now. I mean... I think that, look, you could do something like right, right this minute, Habib versus Charles Oliveira would be big, uh, some other stuff. But even like, for example, I, I said going into this year, the biggest fight on the calendar could be Masvidal Covington. Coming off a of tough, the personalities, the history, it would be like Conor versus Diaz. No title, but everyone is riveted to see it, I think. Um, that one fizzled out. Okay. And um, I'm not going to rehash it. People know that I just think that 
both sides botching the John Jones heavyweight move after Ngannou won the belt was probably one of the biggest faux pas that we've seen in just recent history just that have been so um, public and you know play out in front of our eyes um, in terms of now working with Richard Schaefer this uh, I guess my question is what is he gonna do and I say this respectfully because is John Jones trying to be a 10 million dollar man is he trying to be the 30 million dollar man with a fight okay but the fact is, there's a pay scale. And Richard Schaefer has said himself, there's a reason why UFC fighters are paid differently than boxers. Um, it's just a long track of how are the cards built and who's signed with who. There's not a monopoly in boxing like there is in UFC. And quite bluntly, you talk about, like, for example, the Teofimo Lopez and the bidding war. Oh, you got people bidding and auctioning Where's the fight going to be? Where's this, you know, who's going to promote it? You got like, oh, it's going to be in Abu Dhabi and then it's going to be held by Triller, stuff like this. The UFC brand cuts all of that out. And yes, so obviously when the UFC holds so much of the property, so much of the monopoly, it leads to a scenario where guess what? Yes, we will pay the biggest fighters the most, but at the end of the day, we're able to keep the level at a certain point. And yes, obviously fighters, when you see Floyd Mayweather money and you think about the pay-per-view you could bring in, uh, I understand a lot of fighters saying, you know, well, why can't I make this? Why can't I make that? And then you lead to the whole unionization unionization conversation. I'm not going to get into that one because that's another rabbit hole. But the fact is, there's a lot of elements of why the pay scale is different. Which, back to John Jones, we're Richard Schaefer. What are you two trying to do? Because what I see is that, like you said, John Jones is pricing himself out, but I don't see a direct A to B that Richard Schaefer could do that, you know, the first round management, um, who is he with, uh, the Kawa brothers, Abe or Malky, um, I forgot about him for a second, but whichever one of those guys, what is it you're trying to negotiate that they couldn't do? And what I've heard is John Jones didn't really talk contracts with them, so... I, I, I'm just confused because I feel like, oh, well, we could get a deal done. And I'm like, if John Jones holds fast at 20 million or 30 million, does it matter who his advisor is telling Dana White that number? I don't know. And the more we get into this, the more I do wonder, like, if he fights again at all. And because uh, the feeling I get is, you know, he... He might have one left, maybe two. If there's honestly like Stipe comes back and beats other people, maybe two fights. But honestly, him even fighting at heavyweight at this point, I'm not sure it happens. Because I feel like if the UFC was going to meet him on a dollar amount, they really would have by now. And the fact that they haven't, I'm not really sure that there's a scenario where all sides are happy. Yeah, no, it's it's true. You... You kind of just hurt. You kind of just hurt my heart there, Gabriel. But um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I believe he'll fight, but you know. Yeah, you're. I mean, he's I gonna don't... get paid less to do it. I'm gonna say that. <laughs> he'll yeah, still but... fight, Alex. You'll still see him. But uh, you know, let me ask you, Alex, because uh, um, and mind you, right now, I think that 
Look, you can't underestimate the skills of John, who's been so consistent. He hasn't been lights out the last few. That Okay, respectfully, that's fair. But he is still the guy who achieved all those things and has all that in the bank, so to speak. I don't know if you could... When I see those videos of John Jones running, and I see him lifting, and I see him posing, and he's flexing, I can't say that... I see that, and then I forget about just how jacked Francis Ngannou was at his weigh-in. How he looked in the cage against Stipe Miocic, and I'm like, you know what, for all of that stuff he's doing, I can't tell you that I'm so, this is a 50-50 fight with him and Ngannou, with Jones and Ngannou, so... I don't, I'll say this, the interest for this fight can really fizzle out a lot faster than I think a lot of people are talking about. And so I want to ask you, like, we haven't seen John Jones in a year. At what point do you feel like we're going to say it's just been too long for John Jones? Like, I'm really, I don't care what he did. I'm not interested in seeing him fight a killer like Ngannou or Stipe. I mean, honest, I mean, with this new wave of of, of MMA fans, um, they forget fighters very quickly very 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 quickly and if john does not fight i'd say by this time next year or maybe even sooner i don't know i i i think i i think people are just gonna forget about him and he's just gonna be like kind of how gsp was before he came back um against Bisping, like, he just kind of just rode off in the sunset and was, like, kind of forgotten about. Um, and, you know, what we'll all talk about John Jones being the GOAT and, you know, and, and you know, what what would have happened if he would have fought a heavyweight in his prime, blah, 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 blah. But, um, I mean, if he does not fight soon, I, I mean, I think his... His drawing power will, will, will be gone, and I think it's so dumb that he won't fight Stipe because that that in itself is um, very marketable, and he could get a big payday with that. I mean, the go at light heavyweight, the go at heavyweight fight, you know. So I don't know. It's it's very frustrating being a John Jones fan. I, I gotta tell you, and it's kind of heartbreaking. So yeah, I think that um. Anytime you're in a situation where you have this, I will say I do get it because what would you rather lose? If you're going to lose, what do you want to lose? A title fight or a number one contender fight? At least if you lose to the uh, champion, I lost to the best guy. If you lose to the number one contender fight and let's say Nganu beats Stipe in the a possible trilogy, you lost to the second best guy. That That just... You know, and then suddenly you're like, well, and you thought he was going to beat Nganu or what if? No, we know what what if. And it's like, that's MMA math. It's always incorrect, but that's that's how it's always going to be seen. So, yeah, I, I, I would say another year. And if we're still doing this, you know, song and dance, I, I do think the fans are going to be like, look, you know, is Curtis Blades back winning? Is Stipe back winning? Is, you know... Volkov, Cyril gone, something, but I can't see fans saying like, oh yeah, I'm still, like, John Jones is still running and working out. Then I think, I'll say it, 
you start talking about Henry Cejudo territory. Right. And he's flexing and he's talking and everyone's like, yeah, but bro, you're just annoying now. You're not fighting. I think that he, you know, I'll even say this as we get towards the end of this year, if we're still talking about it and let's say Ngannou or Lewis just delivers and they're staying active. I think that there's going to be, and John Jones doesn't have this great well of good faith. You know, he's, even the fans, you know, he's kind of burned them a bit because he's gotten himself into trouble and he's taken himself out of fights when people were rooting for him and cheering for him. So it's kind of tough. He's in a very tough situation, but the longer this goes, I will say, the more I'm like, John, it's, I feel like that just time where I, you could sell this fight is slipping away. Two other two things before we move move along. Um, do you think he goes back down to light heavyweight if 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 all of this just doesn't happen? And then also, I mean, you say, um, I mean, you, you you mentioned all these names. I mean, the heavyweight division is starting to bring new blood in, into it. You know, we got Sarah gone. We have Tom Aspinall, Chris Dawkins, um, Jarzinho's in there. Um, got Taito Taito Vos is coming back. Alexander Romanov, you know, there's all these names coming. So the sport's going to move past John if, if he doesn't, you know, doesn't come back. Very true. I mean, you look at a tall guy like Volkov, it's like, you know, all that reach, all those attributes that John so favors, is like, that's kind of gone against a guy like Volkov, you know, who's right. so technical and bigger and going to be his size and all that. So, no, I'm with you there. It's a very precarious one, which is, once again, I get it. You want the big biggest fight and make the most money because you know the situation but once again john we need to we need to see something right um they announced this one i have no idea why they booked this fight i mean i cannot imagine you have you ever seen their pictures can you imagine why they booked this fight i i don't know i see the pictures of one fighter i see the pictures of another fighter i have no idea no idea whatsoever why they think people would love to see this fight. Paige Van Sant versus Rachel Ostovich. Can you think of... How many reasons can you think of why people liked it? Because uh, I'll Paige. tell you maybe four. <laughs> I, I see four. And you know what? I'll say this. Paige Van Sant, I saw your post. Home run, well played. <laughs> yeah, no. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think Paige Van Sant sold it. She said, come for the boobies. Stay for the violence. There you go. Uh, you know what uh, I will say? Um, uh, what date was that? July twenty third. Uh, yeah, July twenty third. So it's adding. Remember, so now in July we're gonna have Connor versus Poirier. We got Fury versus Wilder three. We got um. There's rumors that Patricio Pitbull and AJ will fight in July. It is a very very stacked, uh, kick, summer kickoff, so to speak. Um, when you talk about this, and we've talked about this on, uh, you know, previous episodes, uh, look, I, I completely get it. Fans are going to love to know what happens. They're going to want to see Paige and Rachel and, you know, for whatever reasons you might have, competitive or otherwise. It's a very marketable fight. That's obvious. Um... I will say when you talk about the bare knuckle model and you talk about just the fight business in general, 
I feel like this kind of is a great example of the oversaturation of the market, the combat sports market, because when you look at, okay, you got two big pay-per-views with Connor and Fury. Then you have, uh, you know, depending, every deal is different, right? If you're subscribed to Showtime or your PFLs and if one championship gets back in there. When you talk about selling a pay-per-view in today's landscape, I always say this is that if you wouldn't have paid the sticker price to watch them fight when they were in UFC and you would consider like at the top of their game, do you feel like this is something you would pay to watch, you know, now? And yes, I know there are other ways people watch the fights but these things are at the end of the day evaluated you know in getting fans to part with their hard-earned money and i yeah it's a marketable fight i get why they're selling it if it was on tv it would be the talk of the town on pay-per-view i don't know that you could sell this fight in july alex i just don't there is a absolute zero percent chance i'm buying this so um and i would i would like to throw out that I bet there is a million people that are not gonna buy that are not gonna buy this at all. It's uh no, it's I mean no, it, there's not a chance. Maybe there's the Paige Van Zandt and Rachel Ostrovich simps that um will uh will will buy anything they throw out. But hey, um... we don't judge here, Alex. <laughs> Whatever, however you choose to express your support and love, we don't judge here at MMA Daily. True. Whatever's your thing, you go and do it, King. You, we don't use we don't use such derogatory language here. You do uh, what you want to do. Exactly. All right. Exactly. So, my point being, no, I will not be. I will not be buying this. I guess I put it this way: How successful do you think these fights are as a whole? Because I do. Okay, you get so high. Oh, Connor's fighting. Da 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 da. Hyped up. Oh, Fury's fighting. Da, da, you know, and then you have like the same night. Oh, T.J. Dillashaw, Corey Sanhagen is like. I hate to say it, but there's not enough hype to go around. You, the second you make fans choose, someone loses. Just I think fact. it's. I th- I think the big thing is is Van- Paige Van Zant and Rachel Osovich aren't good strikers, so that's 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 the thing. Now you give us Vanderlei Silva versus Hector Lombard bare knuckle fighting, I I'll buy that. But Van Zant and Osovich aren't good boxers, so we're we're paying for looks basically. For me, that's 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 how I I I, I see them trying that's, to sell it. That, uh, yeah, uh, it does make me feel like they're. Look, and I got to say this with respect, Paige Van Zandt, you know, you knew why they signed Paige Van Zandt. She's popular and all that. Um, She fully leans, look, very body positive. You look fantastic. There's nothing wrong with feeling yourself and feeling great about the way you look. Never, ever going to say there's something wrong with that. Certainly nothing wrong with, hey, if you're a public figure, monetizing that. Plenty of uh, athletes and other celebrities, they do. That's their prerogative. You know what? Hey, if you have it and you're cool with it and it makes you money, you know, props to you. I think a lot more people wish they could do it. But um, when you talk about uh, how they're going to sell the fight, you're talking about Rachel's lost a few, Paige has. 
like I said, getting people to part with the the almighty dollar, that's where the the real challenge comes in. And I will say on a stacked, you know, month where people are going to be probably vocal about where their money is going. I think people are going to be more vocal. It's like, hey, let me know when they end up on free TV, plain and simple. Right. And I think that that, like I said, it's tough because when you have so many big fights, so, something good always gets lost in the shuffle. It just tends to. Um, but yeah, so that one's going to add to a very stacked July. And like I said, just um, after this week's spring break, it really just feels like a bit of a sprint. We'll have a break for that 4th of July weekend. And then really it just goes bananas with the schedule, just with all of the events that we'll have coming up. And we have UFC back in action this Saturday. So obviously the one that is not going to be talked about on Monday, but that's not the point. Jarzinho Rosenstrike versus Augusto Sakai um, at UFC Vegas 28. I think the big thing about this fight for me, Alex, is the fact that um, you've got a very... You know how good Jorginho is. You know what kind of power he has and what weapons. I think he just quite bluntly struggles with fighters more technical than he is. I think that a lot of his success really comes from being able to impose his will and physicality and get you to, you know, react to his... uh, you know, to res- to over-respect his power coming off a lot of those first-round knockouts he had when he first started. And then for Sakai, I think that this is just a real test. How much has he grown since the Alistair Overeem fight? Because a lot of great fundamentals, but once again, when you're up against a guy with similar skills and great physical traits, that sometimes you need a little bit extra to win those big fights. And so this is a real big test, but I think that a more reasonable one for Sakai than when he fought Alistair. You know what, Gabriel? I love this card. I really do. I uh, I could sell anybody on this card. I think it's there's up and down, up and down the card. There are so many fun fights. Um, as for the main event, people are poo-pooing on it because people don't like heavyweight main events, I guess, anymore. Um, and I get it with especially Jarzinho after his last fight with uh Surreal that was that was horrible uh that was that was a very bad fight but people seem to forget that i mean he had a 100% i mean he has a 100% finish rate um and Sakai also finishes fights he has i think like an 87 percent finish rate um although i do think he should be on a two-fight losing streak because i thought he lost it blagoy anyway um i i really enjoy this fight and um while it does have the possibility to be a four round five round snoozer i just don't think i think both of them have something to prove because People started talking trash about Rosenstreak and Rosenstreak and Sakai, you know, got beat down by Overeem. As but I mean, if you remember that fight, Sakai was was winning that fight until Overeem started to uh, take him down. So anyway, um, I love this card. I, I really do, um, and I think the main event has potential to be fun. I think it does. I think that uh, once again. Um... 
that that's the thing about heavyweights, right? It's always so hit or miss. You know, you get a Ngannou versus Stipe, and it's like, oh my gosh, that was awesome. And then you remember Knights. I know this is the other end of the spectrum, but I'll say it. Ngannou versus Lewis, and you're like, my goodness, what what happened? And you yeah. know, I I will say I feel like that spectrum is less apparent when you talk about let's say bantamweights or featherweights too you know some of these faster you know the lightweights you know some of the higher paced weight classes right so i think that's something uh real quick uh get a prediction i'll go first my thing about it is um i think that people sleep on just how much experience uh rosenstrike has and i think that that's gonna be the difference i think that Cyril Gaon, just quite simply, he is that, uh, he's like that prodigy. He doesn't have too many fights on his record, but my goodness, is he just good. He's just the phenom. I do think that Sakai still has some growing to do. Contender Series vet, second straight main event, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think that uh, Rosenstrike's experience really is going to be the difference against this particular opponent. Um, I think he's going to just outwork Sakai for a, um, you know what? I think he sets up for a third round finish. He's going to get the right sequence, third round TKO. What about you? Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I think, I think I agree with you. Um, although I could definitely see Sakai just coming in and, coming in and just pressuring Rosenstrike and, and and eventually getting him to will. Um, but as of today, I will agree with you. I'll go third round TKO. All right. So we are in accordance. Um, obviously, privately, we'll have bragging rights because uh, you won't be here next week. But, you know, <laughs> I will give it to you. You know, we'll talk about it next week for sure. Um, and then, of course, we have one more to close out the show. It is the boxing fight that, you know... <sighs> so I described the thriller, you know, celebrity boxing thing. I'm a big Dancing with the Stars fan. And one of the things you notice is that there's some contestants that are, you know, young and have background and have training. And they do great and it looks great. But then you got some that, you know what, the dancing is so horrible and you just love it for that reason and they keep being voted and brought back. And I feel like sometimes fans keep them in just to, because they enjoy watching them suffer because you know they just hate it and they're like, why do they keep bringing me back to salsa? That's what I think of the celebrity boxing. People, you know... Sometimes you want to watch bad boxing or bad MMA over good boxing. And I think that that's really what it comes down to with the Logan Paul and Mayweather, um, Jake Paul and everything else. It's not the best stuff, but you really, they do something that I think isn't always consistent week in, week out with UFC. They get you so invested in the character. And yes, you know, you Logan Paul is bigger, stronger younger um there's a lot of reasons why he should be able to beat a retired floyd mayweather very bluntly floyd mayweather did not sign the contract on the dotted line even if it's an exhibition to quote unquote lose they are selling it 
like this is a regular fight with the same rules. For one, the discrepancy in weight is proof enough this is not a quote-unquote real fight. But I get it. You want to, you know, Floyd Mayweather is obviously, you know, he's bigger than a celebrity. He's just a whole brand. Like, he's the highest paid athlete. He's cracked the code to become the, you know, just money maker in combat sports. All right. Then you got Logan Paul. He he brings in that Generation Z. There's a lot of young people, far younger than you and I, that just gobble up his content. And, you know, look, I, I think that if you were watching Ultimate Fighter after school, you probably weren't watching YouTube quite yet. It wasn't until you're older. You got a generation of uh, children and young people that have grown up watching Logan Paul for hours. That is where the hook comes in. That's where the experiment comes in. He's trying to cross over. You have a very unique event. I don't think there's going to be an hour of music. I don't think there's going to be robots walking with Logan like there was for Jake. But ultimately, I guess the here's how I'm going to frame the first question for you, Mike. Or, sorry, Alex. Um, do... Do you feel that at the end of it, it's going to be something that resembled a competitive fight? Um, no, I, I, no, for sure. Um, I, I think, I, I think Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather just maybe lets Logan toy with him like, like he did Connor a little bit and then. Either it's going to be a boring decision or Mayweather will like land a body shot and do it. But I just, I gotta, I gotta be on, I gotta be honest with you, Gabriel. I just do not care about this fight, and um, <laughs> I don't want to be a downer at, at, at the end of the at the at the end of your at the end of the podcast. But oh god, I just do not care. They're gonna give it all the bells and whistles, but you know you're not getting good boxing. I think that's the biggest right. point. Uh, you know. Uh... I just, it comes down to it. I believe in the black and white, in the ink, in the paperwork, in the language. It's in there that, Logan Paul, you are not going to quote-unquote win this fight. And that is, so it's like, look, you know, you're going to throw some. You're going to throw a couple shots to the body. You might tag them a little bit with your height and your reach. But at the end of the day... They're going to do something that makes it look like Floyd overcame this young, taller, stronger man. And it's like, uh, I'll say this. They're going to have, uh, it, I know Chad Ochocinco is on the undercard and all that. They're going to make it look good. They're going to sell it well. They're going to do all the right things. And then at the end of the day, what's going to happen is that Floyd is somehow going to miraculously overcome all these attributes and get the job done. But I will say this to you, Alex. Did you... Uh, I think I know the answer, but did you actually watch the thriller Ben Askren, Jake Paul? Um, well, I did not watch it live because I was actually... That was the night of... The Whitaker Gastelum. Yeah, so I was uh, I was live posting for uh, for for Cade's side, so I was so I, I couldn't watch it live, but I watched you, it. You were working, thank. You. Yes, 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 I was working. Um, but 
I mean, I was I was definitely more engaged in that fight than I was than I am with Logan Paul versus Mayweather. I just I cannot believe, and I mean, it happened with Conor, but I cannot believe that nowadays you can talk yourself into a fight with the best defensive boxer of all time. I just, I just, it just, it blows my mind. Well, I bring it up. You'll remember that Frank Mir ended up having close to fifty. I think they said even seventy pounds on the, not Antonio Tarver, Steve Cunningham. And it was like, and just you know, better boxer, outboxed Frank Mir, and I'm like, if it's possible, if it's possible, then you know what? I, I guess that's what we might see, but. I see that scenario being a very, 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 very rare one that, you know, I think that at heavyweights having all that weight over a guy, I I just don't see, I, like I just said, it was possible, but I just don't know how that'll translate to the smaller guys with Floyd and Logan, so, anyway. Um, uh, Floyd Mayweather unanimous decision victory. It's an exhibition. They're going to give people their money's worth because if that ends quickly, I think that people will try to sue Showtime for their money back. So <laughs> there you go. That's my prediction. What do you, how, how does it play out in your darkest nightmares? Because it's not dreams. <laughs> um, I, I feel, I think it's, I think it's going to go the five, the full, so it's it's an ex- exhibition. So how many rounds is it, Gabriel? I, I could have sworn it was six. It might be eight. It, it goes the full six rounds. Okay. All right. I think that's uh, we don't need to say any more about that. <laughs> anyway, but um, no, and that's it really for the show. I mean, obviously, you know, I am expecting a lot of news to come back up you know following this week and then of course next week um you know the next fight night will be ufc two what are we on 263 and that one will be in arizona alex you'll be going to your first ufc event i'm sure you're excited i am i am nervous i mean i'm I'm excited but i'm not i'm very nervous and i'm very bummed that that uh you won't be there because i was hoping to, to puppy dog behind you and and you show me the ropes and so i'm very i'm excited but i'm I'm very bummed so just know that i i hope we get to cover a ufc event together in in the very near near future well i appreciate that man i have a lot of faith in you show up on time um make sure the camera's on everything else you know you'll be all right you can wing it (laughs) but yeah that's my biggest advice just uh, make sure you're on time and make sure the camera's on everything else you know whatever happens happens <laughs> for sure. no, man. well yeah uh, alex i appreciate you being on the show thank you once again for coming on and best of luck ne- you know the following week guys natalie will be back next week i we will give her a hard time when she uh, gets back on the air with us and until then have a good one enjoy the fights <laughs>